Thank you. Uh, so we are really excited to be here to talk to you guys about bar exam. Um, we welcome your conversation, your feedback, your questions. Please do not be shy. I know the format maybe is not that conducive to it. I know it can be challenging to ask questions, uh, especially, you know, kind of in front of your peers. Uh, no question is a dumb question. We all had those same questions. This is a very challenging and exhausting process, and we want to be a resource for you as much as we can. Um, I'm Johnny Schreiber. I took the bar exam a long time ago at this point. Uh, at that time, there was not as many UBEs, so I'm actually barred in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York because at the time I was graduating law school, wasn't sure where I was going to end up. Um, I also grade essays for one of the uh, bar exam prep uh, companies. Uh, so that has given me a lot of insight into kind of how people uh, typically answer questions, how students can kind of grow through the process. Um, and I've worked with um, a lot of other students in terms of sort of mentoring and talking through, um, through the challenges that they've faced. Um, so I'm really happy to be able to help you. And with that, I'll turn it over to, uh, to Adrian. Hello, everybody. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Adrian Velasquez. I'm the Chief Advocacy Officer for the Credit Union um, uh, New England Association. Um, I'm currently here with my colleagues, uh, Johnny and Eunice Schreiber. Um, um, one quick thing that I have to say is I was a student at one point uh, sitting in one of the seminar with you, and uh, I sought out um, Johnny's help. And here I am a couple of years later also uh, joining him uh, in passing the the bar exam, um, I I want to convey to everybody this is this is doable. Uh, it is a lot of hard work, but with good determination, positive attitude, and um, and and being a strategic, it's completely doable. Um, one of the things that I do also on the side, um, sort of like helping people, especially uh, non-native speaker. Uh, attacking and approaching the bar exam, helping them through the process, uh, helping them uh, passing the bar exam. I took the bar exam a couple of years ago, um, sort of like the first uh, group of people that took the UBE here uh, in Massachusetts. And um, it was a very challenging moment, but also once you um, are done and pass the, the bar exam, it's, it's one of the most rewarding time in 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 a person's life right especially after going through this process so we're here to help uh we're going to share our contact information uh on the chat for those of you who are uh interested in in uh more questions or if you have any other concern please feel free to reach out with that i pass uh the microphone to eunice um Good afternoon, everyone. I just wanted to say hello and to wish you um, wish you good luck uh, on the exam. I know that this is an incredibly stressful time, but as Adrian and Johnny have said, you're here because you uh, you know you've made an an amazing accomplishment in finishing law school. So uh, first of all, congratulations on that. And uh, this is just the next hurdle, and so that you once you once you reach this, you can um, you can share you know, what the best best steps are for you for next. And so we just want to help you get to that next step so that you can move past this and um, and be successful. Um, as we shared before, we're happy to help and be available um, if you email us outside of this presentation. And uh, with that, I will pass it over to Johnny. 
Awesome. Thanks, Eunice. So I'm going to share a slideshow with some basics. I see we already have a question, which is awesome. So thank you. I will get to that in, in just a minute, but uh, certainly appreciate uh, the question. So, right, I think we all know this stuff. Just want to make sure we're all starting from kind of the same page on it, and then we can get more into um, some of the specifics and kind of uh, practice um, aspects of this. So we have the essay part. It's going to be on Tuesday, July 25th. That's day one of our two-day uh, bar exam. Uh, seems like a long way away at this point. It will seem like it is very fast approaching as you uh, kind of get underway with your studying. Um, there's going to be two of the MPTs in the morning. They're 90 minutes each. And then there'll be six of the essays and the MEE part. Uh, so basically 30 minutes per essay. Uh, you're graded from zero to seven. Um, essays are 30% of your score and the MPT is 20%. So um, starting with the MPT, um, there are 90 minutes per question. Basically you're given a pretty extensive case file. So it's, it's really reading and writing intensive. And the goal is to test fundamental lawyering skills in a realistic situation. Um, so your focus here really needs to be on showing off those skills. So it's your ability to be able to take in a lot of information, sift through it, pull out the important stuff, uh, and then deliver some sort of lawyerly thing. So you'll be given the package uh, the, with the, the file, the, the library. Um, there may be some things in there that are more relevant than others. You need to sift through it. Um, and then you'll be uh, have to, to spit out something like a, a memo or a part of a brief. Um, and that, and the answer there, you know, is, it should be pretty meaty because it's, it's, uh, all the information is given to you. You have a longer time. Um, whereas, you know, in the 30 minute essays, um, being concise is the name of the game. I think in this really showing off that you've delved into the materials that you're strong, your analysis is strong. Um, and that you can, you know, create whatever the thing is that you're being asked to create. And typically that part of it is not that big a lift, basically just memorizing kind of what does a memo look like or what does, if you're asked to be a portion of the brief, you know, what is your header? Um, just some easy things just have in the back of your head so that when you see, okay, I'm being asked to write a memo or I'm being asked to write this or that, you can just spit out the whatever the relevant thing is and then really focus on that um, sort of the analysis part uh, here you go. So a memorandum or a letter, you know, just know kind of what those formats would be. And then you can totally turn your focus to the sort of in-depth reading of the, the uh, file and then providing the sort of deep analysis. So there's some free resources uh, online. I encourage you to check out. I imagine a lot of people are using um, other, you know, bar prep services, which are awesome. They all have their pros and cons, but overall, I think they're all great. Um, and if you can get some free resources, that's always uh, a pretty nice benefit as well. Um, one of the things that we'll, I'll hit on now, I'm sure we'll hit on again, is that, as Eunice said, you all have gotten to this point, right? So you all probably excelled uh, in undergrad, you graduated law school. So a lot of this is uh, trusting yourself, uh, knowing that you know how to study and prepare. Um, and you know these bar prep services, they, they will give you a long menu of things that they say you need to do. Um, I would encourage you to 
be to analyze that as well, right? To think critically about what is, uh, what do I really need to work on? What is of the greatest benefit to me? Because you're going to be facing uh, limited hours uh, every single day. So um, get the most you can out of it by sort of being critical about what you need most and be really honest with yourself about that. So we have the question on the, the multi-state essay exam. Uh, the question is, uh, how many MEEs uh, typically will test more than one subject area? What's a good study approach to these? So um, they can be only on a single issue or there can be multiple issues uh, within a question. There can be multiple subject areas. I would say most will probably have a, a couple of issues and a couple of subjects, but they'll probably be heavily focused on one. So it's not that often that I would say there are like two big issues or two big subjects in a question. There will be probably like a main one, and then there may be kind of a, a another one that that is uh, you know maybe fifteen percent of the question or twenty percent of the question, something like that. And there's something that'll be more of the the bulk of the analysis because often there'll be you know two or three questions at the end, and so maybe one question that's worth a fraction of the points will be related to this one issue, and then the bulk you know two or three questions will be kind of related to this other main um, subject matter issue. Uh, Johnny, so, if, if yeah. I may, um, on that on that point also, I mean, you will see a, you. Uh, we, we have seen trends in which there is more integration in the essay of different variation. For instance, you get um, property essay combined with secure transaction, um, probably evidence with uh, um, constitutional criminal procedure, uh, civil procedure with constitutional law. So. It is something that you need to be prepared of. Um, I guess uh, to address the point of what's the best way or the best approach is you have to practice and you have to see different variations. So the more practice and the more variations you see, the more confident you are in approaching uh, any questions. Uh, so you are not surprised on the day of the exam. Yeah, and and I mean, we can also talk more about study approaches sort of later. I, I know Adrian's uh, in particular has done a ton of work on like kind of research style on, on what he's found different ways of studying and ways that, that might work for different people. But, you know, I think there's um, a lot of this just comes down to knowing the law, right? So there's ways to think about the essays and ways to craft the essays. And we're going to talk more about that sort of the essay specific aspect of this, but um, there is no replacement for just knowing the law because that's how you issue spot at, when it comes right down to it is you're, you're going to read and you're going to analyze while you read and your ability to issue spot is based on your knowledge of the issues. So knowing the issues is key. And if you know the issues, then you're going to know where they are, regardless of if there are two of them in one essay or one of them in another essay, uh, knowing the law is really the, the sort of the basis of where uh, this all starts. So the purpose of the MEE is a little different than the MPT in, in large part because they're uh, shorter, they're significantly shorter timeframes, they're shorter problems, and the, the expectation for your answer is shorter. Uh, so you're really issue spotting uh, and then being able to kind of write in this formula, this IRAC formula to demonstrate that you know the law and that you can analyze facts under it in order to reach a conclusion. And the demonstration of the R and the A in IRAC, the rule and the analysis are really the key things. Uh, you know, laying out the issue is great and issue spotting is, is definitely a, a skill and one that is needed, but I think should come naturally if you feel comfortable with the law. 
but and the conclusion is is fine. It is what it is. Um, certainly good to have the right conclusion. Uh, but think of this more as showing off skills and the skill is your understanding and knowledge of the law and your ability to analyze facts under it. Um, and I've been, I was literally just creating some essays before this. And one of the things I saw repeatedly is students turning in sort of very short paragraphs, several of which like some are maybe wrong on the conclusion or some are right on the conclusion, but having very little rules or analysis. And it's just you're, you're stifling your ability to earn points because I can tell you sort of the grading rubric that I'm looking at literally is giving points for each rule aspect that you're naming. And so um, you get the conclusion right, wonderful. That's not, that's worth almost nothing. Um, and you've you've forgiven, you've you know, given away all the points you could have earned uh, by fully stating the rule and then fully analyzing the facts underneath it. And I know that that is can be difficult as a student to sort of grasp that like we're so focused on get the right answer. I've done the analysis in my head. I've gotten the right answer. That's the key. And, and on this exam, it really isn't. It's really about following a formula to spell out what you know. So here we go, ability to reason and analyze, understanding the facts that you know the rule, that you know the principles of law. So your conclusions are less important than the presence and quality of your, your rule statement and your analysis. So a lot of topics you know, can be covered here. Uh, again, some free study materials. And with that, I'll turn it over to Adrian to lead us through um, uh, a, a sort of a practice essay. I guess before we go to that, if folks have questions, we'd love to, to answer them. But I think we'll also, we'll hopefully spark some more uh, questions and conversation as we move to this next exercise. Thank you, Johnny. Um, the uh, Boston Bar Association should send you a copy of, um, of this essay that is from the, um, uh, from uh, February 2010, it's an actual essay, and hopefully um, after we're done with the presentation today, uh, you can review it on your own and go back with the strategies that we took about. So uh, how do we diagram uh, an essay response? Uh, and we're gonna go over, uh, there, are, there are a couple of things that I want you to pay attention, especially things that are underlined and start thinking in, 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 on your own, you know, about how you will approach this question. So Penny lives in an apartment on Oak Street across from the Fenbury Baseball Park, the park. The park is owned and maintained by the Fenbury Flies, a professional minor league baseball team. As she left her apartment building one day, Penny was struck in the head by a baseball that had been hit by Dennis, a Flies player during a game. The section of Oak Street that adjoins the park was once lined with a single family home. Over the past two decades, these homes have been replaced by stores and apartment buildings, causing an increase in both car and pedestrian traffic. So we underline increase in both and car pedestrian traffic. Um, obviously, because there has been a change in the area, and I, 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 I failed to mention in the past that the the key words there was it was struck uh, by a ball. Um, the ball that struck Penny was one of the longest that had been at the park since the, since its construction forty years ago. During the last forty years, 
flies record show that only 30 balls had previously been hit over the park fence adjoining Oak Street. 15 of the balls hit out, out of the park on, onto Oak Street were hit during the past decade. So we saw an increase in, you know, ball, you know, ball outside the park in the last uh, decade. Uh, so there has been an intensity issue here. Uh, the park is surrounded by a 10-foot high fence, which was built during the park construction. All other parks owned by clubs in the Flies League are surrounded by fences of similar type and identical height. These fences are typical of those used by other minor league teams in the U.S. However, in Japan, where ballparks are often located in congested urban neighborhoods, netting is typically attached to ballpark fences. The netting permits ball to go over a fence, but captures balls before they can strike a bystander or a car. After being struck by the ball, Penny was taken by ambulance to a hospital emergency room. After tests, the threatening, the threatening, uh, the threatening physician told Penny that she had suffered a concussion. The physician prescribed pain medication for Penny. However, because of a pre-existing condition, she had an adverse reaction to the medication and suffered neurological damage resulting in the loss of, of sensation in her extremities. Penny has sued Dennis, the player that hit the baseball that struck her, for battery and negligence. Penny also sued the fur, Furberry Flies. She seeks to recover damages for the concussion and the neurological damage resulting from the medication. Question number one, does Penny have a viable tort claim against Dennis? Please explain. Question number two, does Penny have a viable tort claim against the firm, Fernbury Flies? Explain. Now, um, do we do we have a volunteer that want to take a, you know, a crack at this? Eunice, if you're talking, you're mute, muted. And we got a brave volunteer. I think Eunice might be talking on another. She's she's doing she's multitasking here. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah, hi. Um, I I don't think. Jenny has a viable tort claim against Dennis. Senior management uh, on notice, as it were. But I think that. Sorry, can you read? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Penny has a viable tort claim against Dennis, um, but she likely does have a viable tort claim against the Fernbury Flies. Even if she could, um, sort of, claim that Dennis was doing something um, that sort of precipitated her harm. He was doing it in the course of his employment. So anything she might argue against Dennis would end up falling under vicarious liability against the team anyway. But I think with the sort of increasing frequency of balls going over the fence and the availability of safer netting to sort of catch balls um, sort of prevalent in the industry, even if it is internationally, the team knew or should have known that this posed a harm uh, given the, the densely populated neighborhood. So I think as far as the concussion goes, yes, but the neurological damage likely not because they're not medical doctors and the 
medical doctor would have, um, yeah, that's, that's something else entirely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for volunteering, Jack. I didn't think we'd get anyone. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Adrian, you want to break that down a little bit? Should we run through some well, of that? No, that was, uh, Jack, thank you very much. Uh, that's, that was very good, uh, on your end. Uh, thank you for volunteering and sharing with us. Uh, so why don't we go, one of the things with in responding essays that we need to consider is how do we break down the response, right? Ultimately, um, the, the, your, your job here is to try to hit as many issues as you can. And in order to do that, you need to have a structure, but you also have to go step by step. So um, why don't we go ahead and, and start doing that? So we have two questions here, right? And we're sort of being given that we're gonna be dealing with tort, right? Like the question tells you, this is a tort essay. And more specifically, it also tells you that we're gonna be dealing with uh, battery and negligence. So one of the things that I will, in, in, in preparing to answer any, any, any essay, if they're giving me already sort of like the, the law that we're gonna be addressing, I will be making some notes, uh, a general note on what the rules are, right? So, um, you know, with battery in, in tourist intentionally, I'm, intentionally or harmful or offensive touching of another, right? Uh, so it's an intentional towards and negligence, obviously we're gonna break the, all the elements of negligence soon. Uh, but one of the things that we wanna make sure is that you're reading the question, right? Because here uh, it is not necessary, it is clear that we have two issues of battery and negligence, but there might be some other issues that are also into play that um, the, that is not necessarily clear, but that the examiners want you to address. And that if you address it, you're going to get some points. And if you I think Jack it, did a good job, right, of, of he's already thinking about them, right? So right. that was helpful of like, we're walking through the question, what's your initial reaction? These are things you're thinking about when you're, when you're reading the question, right? And Jack said, well, you know, there's something with the skull, right? She, she had this reaction, eggshell skull, like there's something going on with that vicarious liability, right? These are two things that are not directly asked in the question, but that you picked up on right away. And that's great. And, and keep those, like, I know I need to talk about them. They're, they're here for a reason, right? You right. issue spotted already. And then the, the, the next step is sort of, okay, how does that, how do those fit into, into the answer here? And that's precisely the kind of instinct that you need to have going into the bar exam, right? Like you gotta like uh, have those check marks, you know, on every issue, even though it is not clearly from the question. Although this essay, it's not necessarily your typical essay that they are tell, telling you specifically, you know, like this is the area of the law that you're gonna cover. But nonetheless, I, I think Jack was on the money on, on trying to answer and also conveying what wasn't really presented here, but that it is part of the response. So um, why don't we go to the next slide so we can start uh, addressing the legal problems in the essay. So a uh, couple of problems here, right? Um, since we were talking about tort and we're talking about actions that uh, Penny or the plaintiff can, have, can, can bring forward, right? And at the end, that's the issue that that's the that's the question here is what kind of tort action tort claim can the plaintiff bring against in this case the park or against Dennis the defendant or against the the, the owner right 
so it, it is it is important that uh, you understand that there is a limited universe that you're dealing with uh, that you don't necessarily have to expand that much because everything has been given to you. Um, all the all the facts are in in that essay, and utilizing those facts is key in getting you know a good uh, gray on the essay. So. The, the legal problems that we see here is what must Penny establish in a battery action against Dennis? And then also what must Penny establish in a negligence action against Dennis, right? So we have the battery and negligence. And then we also, you know, on the second question that we saw in the previous slide is what must Penny establish in an action against the flies based on the team's employment relationship with Dennis, something that, you know, Jack mentioned about vicarious liability, right? Um, and what must Penny establish in an evidence action against the flies? And then, and, and this is something Johnny touched on, um, if Penny succeeds in her action against Dennis or the fly, can she also recover for the damages for the neurological harm that resulted from her pre-existing condition? So let's go to the next slide, please. So I was mentioning that there is a, uh, a couple of facts that we previously highlighted for you. Uh, so you, you know, for the purpose of this exercise and for the purpose of like the explanation, uh, key, key facts uh, that should be incorporating in, in, in the response. Um, it is a good practice to make sure that you're keeping track of those facts. What is a good argument? Uh, Johnny, what would it be an ar a good argument for you? Uh, what, it, what, it, what is sort of like the, uh, the ingredients that you need, right? Uh, in conveying what a good argument would be in an essay, in your opinion? I think uh, strong use of IRAC. Um, I think the strongest essays I read, and this is a real delicate balance, um, is that they are concise and that they only give you what is the correct information. It's very easy to kind of, or easier sometimes to throw everything at the wall um, and hope something sticks. That's not the worst strategy. Honestly, would probably rather have more than less because less you get no points. More, you take the risk of sort of leading your grader astray, making them weave through a bunch of additional information, potentially erroneous information. Um, and at the end of the day, graders are human, right? And so uh, you're making it harder for them to find uh, the right answer. So a strong answer is a concise one that just fully spells out the rule that is relevant to the issue and then fully analyzes the facts underneath the rule before reaching the conclusion. Um, right. Like I mentioned before, right? The, the R and the A are really, really key here. And on those, and, and I'm glad that you brought up RNA because oftentimes if you if you think about an analysis, what an analysis is, it's a marriage, right? You're marrying rules with facts, right? Like you want to make sure that you're conveying that information in the context of not only the facts that were presented, but what you bring to the table is the knowledge of the rule. That's why it is so important for you to mention the full rule and most likely the exemption that applies here, right, for that for that rule um, in, in that IRAC rule section. And then on the analysis, you have to keep track of those facts and you have to keep track of what you presented in the rule section, right? Uh, so we have a couple of key facts that we subtract from uh, the essay. The, the first one uh, on the first paragraph was that the ball strike on the head happened when she was leaving her home 
not at the ballpark. So she wasn't really in the park. Uh, we also know that there has been some records that 30 balls have been hit over the fence in the last 40 years. Uh, 15 of those 30 balls hit out of the park over the fence occurred in the last 10 years. So the, a substantial increase in the last 10 years. Um, something also that Jack mentioned that, yes, you know, uh, this is a fence that happens to be um, similar in type of other U.S. minor leagues park, uh, sort, of, sort of like an industry standard. But we also know that in other countries, right, like in Japan, they have deal with this situation by adding an ad that is higher, right? Um, and, and we there is an example, right? Like in Japan, it, it already exists. And we also know uh, from the facts that Penny had a pre-existing condition that caused her an allergic reaction. So we know that, you know, she suffered. We don't, we don't know what the condition is, but we know that there is a pre-existing condition and it tells you. And anytime you hear something like that, one of, one of the things that you will be learning with a lot of practice is what is the editorial language that examiner uses? So anytime you see something that says, pre-existing condition, you got to go into your like toolbox and, 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 you know, and marry that pre-existing condition. Oh, that's actual doctrine, you know, like that's usually key language, right? Like for, for that kind of, uh, um, test variation. Um, anything else here, Johnny, that you want to cover on this, on this slide? Uh, no, I think we're good on this slide. I'll move on to the next one. Um, okay. talk more about it when we get to this part. So, Using the same facts, the key facts that we draw uh, for the purpose of the, the presentation, how do we uh, how do we marry that with um, with the law that we know? So we know that we're we're gonna be looking at if you're an attorney, you're looking at viability of claims that your client or in this case your plaintiff can bring against a third feeser, right? And we know because the bar exam told us, okay, we're gonna be testing battery, right? Like, so so in your mind, you gotta start like thinking about what's the definition of battery, right? And I talk about harmful or offensive touching, you know, before, and that it also has to be intentional, right? So the question that I have for Johnny, I guess, is like, Strike on the head happened when she was leaving her home, not a, not at the ballpark. Is that an intentional tort? Is it is it clear? Is it not clear? What do you think, Johnny? Right. So uh, I think it's it is clear that it is not an intentional tort. Dennis did not uh, intend to cause harm to uh, our victim, although you know he may have intended to hit it out of the ballpark uh, right. because he's a baseball player and trying to hit a home run. Uh, I think the key to a strong answer on this, though, would be to still to fully spell out all the elements of battery and then to fully analyze under it. Right. So um, it's one thing to sort of uh, be dismissive, especially in your head. And that's fine because you're you're trying to shortcut because you've got limited time. Right. So when you're reading the question, you're saying, oh, he's, it's not intentional. Um, you know, there's nothing there. Right. Uh, but that's not the strongest answer. The strongest answer would be to basically say the issue is whether, uh, you know, whether Dennis committed a battery. A battery is a harmful or offensive touching uh, done with intent to cause harm to the victim. Uh, Dennis 
did not intend to harm the victim. Therefore, uh, it's likely that a court would conclude that a battery was not committed. Um, if you like, I think what a what a less strong, although still correct answer might say would be to sort of remove that middle step and just say, just skip right to the conversation of intent without actually explaining fully what a battery is to just say, uh, battery requires intent. Dennis did not have intent, therefore nothing without, you know, therefore no, no um, liability without sort of more fully explaining uh, what a battery is. And also, and also one thing to keep in mind is like, bring your common sense, right? Like we know, uh, hopefully everybody knows here that in baseball, right? Like players get paid for playing baseball and part of playing baseball is basically hitting the ball. And the more that they hit the ball, the best that scoring is. So bringing that into the table is, is important because at the end of the day, we're trying to prove whether it was intentional or not. And the only thing intentional here, in my opinion, is that, yeah, I mean, he's a baseball player. He has to hit the ball, right? Like that's, that comes with the job, right? So it is important to keep that perspective and don't a lot of, I, I think what I see the most with students is that they leave that common sense out, right? Like they're so focused on like, okay, you know, like it's this, but the reality is that no, you have to use your life experience uh, to inform, you know, and, and you probably can argue something like that. Like you could say, ah, and by the way, you know, it's not intentional. And by the way, you know, baseball players are in the business of hitting the ball, right? To hitting home runs or whatever. And again, you know, like there is no uh, good or right. What, what it is important is that you make the argument, right? Uh, even if you're wrong, as long as you make the argument, at least you get something for effort. However, what is key here is knowing the law, right? Because if you don't know the law, it doesn't matter. Then you're not going to see the facts, right? Playing into the equation here. So fact number two, according to flights, record 30 balls have been hit over the fence in the last 40 years. 15, 30 balls hit out of the park over the fence occur in the last 10 years. So we know that, uh, uh, flies knew or should have known about the increased risk directly caused by the player hitting the ball out of the park. Johnny, let me ask you a question. What is the duty of a landlord? To uh, provide- To another, to another, like a general, you know, like what is the duty of a landlord to another? Yeah, to, to provide a safe, habitable housing. Uh, make it safe, right? And if you don't make it safe, then you gotta like at least disclose, right? At least you gotta let people know. Do we have that case here? Uh, so if we're using sort of our general uh, hats on of kind of uh, common sense, I would say no, right? There's a there's not as as great a duty uh, for this ballpark to just sort of random passerbys on the off chance that a ball will go out of the park um, as there is to from a person who owns a building who is um, you know, required to make it safe for someone else to live there. Yeah, and we also know that, uh, and this goes to you know number three, while defenses is standard in the US minor league, the flies had a chance to attach netting to a fence. One can make the argument, right? That there is a reasonable cost-effective solution that was already being used you know, uh, by other professional teams in other places. So we know that it can be made, but it doesn't necessarily have to. But we're not making that determination here. What we're making is an argument, right? And the argument is about what are the possibities within reasonableness, right? 
And uh, one of the things is like, yeah, I mean, they can make it safer if they want, they don't have to, but the reality is here is a discussion. And oftentimes with essay, if you can take the approach of like, this is the law, this is the, this is, these are the facts marrying into the law. This is why my argument is better. However, this is the other argument, but at the end of the day, my argument is better because of this, right? So it is sort of like a conversation between two that you wanna be, be able to convey in, in your essays, right? Um, and I know it sounds crazy because it's like, well, you have limited time, you have only 30 minutes, but that's, that's the benefit of the practice. The more you practice, the better you get at having that conversation in writing. Um, in and they, which you are short, right? I think yeah. that's key too, right? You, like you're talking, you, we've talked about this for two minutes. This could be two sentences, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's this reasonable accommodation that is observed by some ballparks uh, in Japan. However, that is not the standard in the United States. Here's my conclusion, either that uh, it, it should be um, something that U.S. should, you know, that that should be commonplace because it's it's a reasonable thing to require parks or no, it isn't because it's not, uh, you know, it's not the standard practice and we follow sort of what the standard practice is and, and that's it, right? It's It can be very yeah. short. And again, like, like it doesn't matter, like the conclusion is not as important as the arguments, right? That's the Correct. key here. Like if you can, if you can take uh, if you can take something out of this, it's like conclusions are not nearly as important as putting, making the arguments and using the facts. And I can, I need to pinpoint that using the facts that have been given. Everything that you need is there. So use it and make the argument. Uh, number four, Penny had an ex a pre-existing condition that caused her allergic reaction. So Penny is an actual uh, skull plaintiff. She must have, she must be taken as she was found. Thus, the flies are negligent for neurological damage too. In this case, if like we can prove that you know there was a negligence, then for sure, then uh, they will be liable for that as well. Yes, are you able to? Um, yeah. Do you want to the question? We just got a question. I don't yep. know if you want to, to grab it. So, if they hadn't brought a bad battery in the fact pattern, then would mm -hmm. we uh, not need to address it in our answer? It seems like it is only an issue here because the writer made it an issue. You, what do you think? Yeah, so um, do would we would we not need to address it in our answers? So can you get away without answering it? Yes. Should you? No. <laughs> um, if someone is sharing information, you know, not unlike when we're saying that, you know, she has a pre-existing condition and Adrian was saying, making sure that you tie that lifeline to, you know, you're being given this fact for a reason. So again, if you're bringing up the, the battery and the fact pattern, you can address it. It does not need to be its own paragraph. It does not need to be its own question, but address it. But, um, but again, debrief. Okay, you already know what a battery is. So, you know, write and say, help the, the examiner that you do know what it is, and then, you know, determine whether or not it's relevant based on these facts. And again, you could say it's relevant because, or it's not, well, not relevant, but um, it address the facts uh, addressing battery here would blah, blah, blah. And the reason that, you know, a claim may not be successful is. So this way you're, again, presenting the information and both sides so that there's no um, question as to whether or not you understood it. And, and the examiner can see that, yes, you didn't miss the question. Yes, you, uh, excuse me. Yes, you acknowledge that this is part of the question. Yes, you've attempted to answer it. And you've given, you know, what the other side of that could be. 
I think this kind of goes back to Adrian's point as well of like this being a um, sort of a unique question in that they did very specifically call out um, these two possible things of of uh, battery or negligence, and so um, then you absolutely have to. Um, if they didn't state that at all and just said like is is Dennis liable, um, that might shape your answer, um, and I think to Eunice's point, like, just because, again, think of this as like a formula, like, just because you are easily able to dismiss in your brain, based on your ability to shortcut through the analysis, that that we throw battery out, that it's not a, a, a viable claim, doesn't mean it's not worth talking about in your answer, because you're spelling that analysis out for the grader, because the grader doesn't know what's going on in your head, right? Mm -hmm. So, so for you to go through the exercise and to use this point, it can be, especially if it's not sort of laid out in the question as clearly as this, you could probably do it even in sort of a more brief uh, manner, but just like a couple of ways where negligence might be, uh, you know, they might, uh, Penny might try to pursue negligence would be battery or, or uh, you know, whatever, a, a battery claim or, or a negligence claim. And here's battery, right? Like you would be the one sort of naming it in issue spotting, which I, I think that would be, that would also be challenging. Like I think uh, most questions will spell out a little more um, the direction that they want you to go or kind of hint more strongly. Like, I don't, I don't know that this question would exist just like in a vacuum without sort of saying here are the things right. to analyze under. So I'm like, I'm not sure that this question necessarily it, it would would occur like that this possibility would happen but but to that to the point like then it's on you to find to issue spot to find the, the couple of ways that it could be and to do that short analysis under it and i think we've as we've discussed like the bat a, a strong answer on battery here would only need to be a handful of like a few sentences yeah. three or four sentences you could probably explain it and handle it and then you move on to the other uh issues I mean, one thing that I want to like, if we if we take the question that was posed in the chat, right? Like, if you reverse en engineer that, then and if we use the example, the present example, we were told that we have to look for viability of claims for negligence and battery, but then there is this other doctrine, right, that is present that is not necessarily clear, and that if you look at the grading sheet, uh, it looks like you know if you respond that that is worth. 10 to 15% of the grade, right? Uh, so the takeaway here is obviously this is a limited universe. Obviously, you know, the uh, bar examiners have a limited way to test uh, what you know. The, the key here is not only addressing what you have been asked, but also have that subtle inferences. And this is where knowing the law is crucial in issue spotting, something that Johnny was saying before, because there could be things that are subtle that you still need to address if you want to get those points. So you you probably you if you answer the question, you probably would have got ninety percent of the response. But then the, there is this other ten percent. And in the bar exam, you got to take points from everywhere. You got to take points from the MBE, MPD, and ME. So that's why the analysis is so crucial. That's why knowing the law is so important because knowing the law is gonna is gonna give you the issues pointing which is crucial for answering the exam. So I know that we're getting short on time, but I wanted to make sure that I um, kind of reiterate something that we've shared here because of its uh, importance. Um, answer the question that you're asked. 
Okay. Answer the question that you're asked, just like you would ask your um, your client to only ask the thing, you know, to only, you know, to, to answer the question and stop. That's what we're asking you to do. Because again, when you add extraneous things or you take it, you know, another step or go to another level, you're you're making it more complicated. Okay. Answer the question that you're asked. If there's an, an element of battery, address it and move on. Um, again, nuance it certainly, but but again, don't don't go into to additional pieces. So you have a, you know, if they ask you, if they tell you that um the, the woman, her name is Jenny. If they tell you that Jenny is walking with, you know, with her friend, you don't need to address the fact that her friend, you know, doesn't, you know, whether or not the flies have an obligation to her friend, that's not part of the fact pattern. So you could add that and that might make you feel better, but it's not a, um, it's not necessarily something that's going to help you, um, you know, advance the, the issue. So again, keep it to what you've been asked so that you can um, spend that, spend what little time you have answering clearly and as fully as you can. John? I would say on the MEE, the questions are usually pretty, there, there's not a lot of extraneous stuff. So I think um, you should enter the MEE thinking that you're probably gonna use all the key facts. Don't go crazy looking for wild, like wild theories. Uh, like they're not, very few questions are really trying to trick you. They're usually kind of like the stuff is there. Um, but on the MPT, that also tends to be more of an issue where like there may be sort you know uh, things in the library or whole whole sources that you find yourself not really using much or you're just using sort of once or twice to differentiate maybe and that's okay. Um, you know, don't assume like that that anything in there is not useful, but certainly that's a, a practice where there will be um, elements that you're where you're 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 disregarding portions or disregarding maybe too strong a word but you're not leaning heavily you're you may lean heavily on like two or three things and far less so on others again they're giving you everything for a reason uh but um don't go super far out of your way to make a big deal out of everything there are ones you will use more and ones you will use far less um and in that portion you are looking more to find ways to use things and so there may be um elements where you you are using things just to differentiate to say well that case sounds sort of like ours and here's why um ours is different and merits a different conclusion right um whereas that and that may have been a, a lengthy source let's say and so you're only using it for that whereas the mee tends to there's not a lot of like red herrings like it's it's pretty much you should be there should be things going on in your head for sort of each um each aspect of of the question so i mean I'm, i can run through just a couple other things right we mentioned iraq like organization is huge especially because you know, as we're trying to sort of urge you to like think of this more as like a a formula almost like it's almost mathematical and that you you are given this this information, this data, and then you have to spit out a thing in this format. Um, and the, the the whole value of this format is that it is a roadmap for a grader who is grading a ton of these essays. And you want to make it as easy as possible for that person to say, oh yeah, they've checked this box. They understand this thing. They stated the rule that I know I'm looking for. They did the analysis that they told us to look for, uh, right? And, and they reached the correct answer. Uh, it's boring, right? Like it's hard to write 
in this format uh, because you're not used to it, right? I was an English major in undergrad and it drove me nuts to do IRAC. Like it, it's, it doesn't even feel good like for legal writing. Like you do legal writing and it's sort of not really like this either. Like IRAC is just like this icky thing that you just have to master for this one step in the process. And then you can go be like artful in other in other uh, in other venues, but um, it's 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 like just you got to spit stuff back in this formula. Um, and then I mean I, I think Adrian Yunus might want to touch on this as well of just like we we urge you to be confident, right? I've said the strongest answers are the ones that are concise. Well, that is not easy. It is it's it's way easier to just sort of word vomit all over the page everything that you think may possibly be in this universe and hope that a few things stick. That makes it challenging for your grader and you're potentially losing points. Um, if you can stick to just the just the sort of the key elements, um, which takes confidence, uh, is the strongest answer, as well as for your study habits. And I don't know if we want to just maybe, I know there's the, we encourage all of you to go to the mental health one. That's something we've touched on a lot in some of these. Super important and sort of not nearly talked enough about element of this. Um, but I'll turn over to Adrian and Eunice. We've all had moments in studying where we doubt ourselves, and it's really, really important to be confident. And I think that, you know, the, the key is, you know, you didn't get here by accident. You get to take the bar exam because you passed law school, because you did the challenging piece. And so, you know, you're taking that moment, you, you're proud of what you're going on, and now you're like, oh, God, I have to do this too. Yes, you do. And you will get through it and you will persevere. You will not fail. You are going to do great. Okay, but you, but it's going to require you to have discipline for just a little bit longer. So if you normally sleep eight hours and that's how you successfully got through school and you have enough time to do that, then that's what you need to continue to do. If you always work out in the morning at, you know, at five o'clock, then don't stop that now. Now's not the time to change what's been working for you. So, again, maintain your sleep. Take go ahead and take breaks. Try not to panic. And then remember, you know, again, remember to breathe. Johnny was mentioning that, um, you know, being confident is is one of the ways that you can um, move forward. Again, go into it. You know this. Keep going. Just keep going. Again, it's not too, too much longer. So we can, can definitely do that. Adrian, what else are you thinking? Yeah, no, I would say um, um, some final thoughts like um, practice. Obviously, this is not easy. Uh, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of work. Uh, pace yourself, right? Um, take breaks. I think breaks are extremely important uh, to let marinate all the information that uh, you're putting on your brain. Um, and I think um, if I have to, um, you know, if I have to summarize everything that we talk about is, again, and, and I'm going to be redundant, is make sure that you do a lot of practice, right? Uh, don't think that because you know the law, um, you know, um, you're going to get, you know, you're just going to like show up on the bar exam and, and write the essays. The reality is that there are other elements that also apply, like you're constraining time. Um, uh, for me, an issue was typing, right? Like I didn't type as fast as I thought uh, for the essay, right? Uh, there are other elements outside that, you know, that plays into a response. The more you practice, uh, the more likely you're going to be feel more confident. Right. And um, and if you can, I, I always suggest people, I mean, you're um, six weeks out. If you can do a full practice test so you know where you where you stand in terms of speed, in terms of 
um, what, what are things that you need to improve. If you can do that like three weeks before the bar exam, you have time for correction. Remember, uh, everything from now until the bar exam is practice. The day you show up is the day of the competition and, and that's the day that, that matters. So there are gonna be good days, there are gonna be bad days, but remember, this is an ongoing process, right? Like it's it's gonna take days, it's, uh, it's uncomfortable, it's the summer, I get it. But also keep in mind that we all did it, right? Like every attorney that you see out there had to go through this process and had to study for the bar exam. So uh, it's doable, I see it, I see it in so many people. And um, like Eunice was mentioning, uh, you might if you made it here, it's because you like pass law school, pass college, you know, and and you have the privilege to see for this bar exam. So one of the questions we get asked a lot uh, is uh, from students who, well, a a lot of times people sort of want the the silver bullet, right? What's the what's the key? And I think uh, Adrian Eunice hit on it. It's practice. Um, and, and a lot of people ask sort of, should I practice like in 30 minutes? Should I practice longer? That helps me get the right answer. Um, I always tell people that you should, at least at the starting point, start with what you're comfortable with. Um, if you really need in order to be more confident, to show yourself that you can write a good essay and that takes you 45 minutes, maybe you write a few then, but at some point you need to turn your direction to the exam and you have to be able to fit whatever you do whatever your process is you need to be able to fulfill it within the time constraints that that test requires um, just like using irac because that's what the graders are going to look for right it's not really about sort of what you want or what you like it's all about just delivering up on a silver platter to some random person who has a rubric right so um, at some point you really have to turn your attention to the timing and I think the timing for everyone at the start of, of going through this process feels very fast and you, you, you feel like it's impossible, you can't do it. The more you practice, you will get faster. Not necessarily to the tune of like, you can suddenly do, you know, you can suddenly get the perfect answer down or how you, what you feel like, but to a degree that you can get pretty comfortable with it. I'll also say that a lot of the bar prep companies um, their sample answers are insane. No one could ever write that. You couldn't write that in three days. They're, they're completely unrealistic expectations for what a strong answer will be and that you need to kind of weed through that. Uh, and, and again, it's about having confidence in, in yourself that your answer where you have, you know, sort of haven't analyzed that you've hit on all the points is actually totally fine and is a, a can be a you know a, a four or a five right I mean that you know it doesn't have, not every answer needs to be a seven um, but it is a strong and and well done answer uh, that you know maybe far short of what what the grading company says is the the a number one answer and that's fine that's totally fine you don't need to be there in fact if you're there you probably have a problem because you've probably only done one essay when you needed to do six so. Um, Again, thank you so much for, for joining. I think we're, we're right about a time. Um, I'll provide this PowerPoint as a PDF to the Boston Bar Association. They can provide it to you. It has our contact information. There's some other stuff we didn't go through, um, but but thank you again for, for joining it. Thanks to Adrian Eunice as well, as always, for, for participating too. Thank you.